Welcome back. We are studying the last chapter of Ilkhot Hamesu Masaf Haramban Perakshamini. We are in Ilkhot Hamesu Masaf, the Manim of Mishneh Torah. This chapter deals with the actual order, how everything plays out. So if you recall on chapter 7, we explained one of the misvot aseh of the Ilkhot Hamesu Masaf, which is the Higgatta to tell the story to our children. And we set up a few principles Hamim gave us to how to do that. And now we are going to describe what does this result in. So there is a whole ceremony that what we call the Seder night, but I, I want to insist, see it in context. This is part of a Higatale in Chabayomahu. That's where we are. And the, this eighth chapter will describe how to set up that night. And uh, we'll pay attention. There is a few instructions that are only relevant when we actually have Korban Pesach in Yamenu. And some other instructions are applicable throughout uh, Galut, including in our days. The way that we've set up those misvot, namely the maror, which is the Rabbanan, as we explained, and all the things that follow from doing things, this is how we do it in the 15th, the, the eve of the 15th of Nisan. But we start by bringing a glass of wine, a cup of wine, to each and every one of the participants. As we said before, this is regardless. This is regardless on um, of uh, of how of uh, how wealthy a person is, as we mentioned. And then one proceeds to say the beracha Uzman, and then there is two berachot that follow Boreferia Kefen. One is Asher Kiddesha, Asher Baharbanu Mikol Amer, Omeru Mikol Lashon. As we explained in Chot Yom Tov, we said the, the, the formula. Baruch Atah Hashem, Kadesh Yisrael, Ve'azemanim. And then, Hazman, Zeman is Shehayanu, Shehayanu, Kiyamanu, Vigamu, Ve'azeman Azev, Ve'shoteh. And then I drink. Obviously, as we mentioned before, Ba'haseba. Ve'achar kach, Mevarech Anetilat Yadayim. Thereafter, one should say beracha for al netilat yadaim. Venotel yadav, as we saw in ilchod netilat yadaim, there is no distinction really for harambam between the netilat yadaim one does to have bread and netilat yadaim one does to have to have um, any tibule, uh, any devarim shetibulam bemashke, anything that is wet with one of the seven liquids. And this is such a situation. So, although in most Haggadot you'll see, uh, following Shulchan Aruch, and, and uh, because for some reason it's a safek, I think it's according to Rabbeinu Manoah, uh, and, and people don't do beracha for entilat yadaim of before eating something wet, according to Harambam, you should say beracha before. Uh, by the way, pay attention to the order. First say beracha, then you wash your hands. Then we proceed to bringing a setup table, a table set up with with everything what we call the kiara, the alav, and on this table, tables by the way back in the day looked more like a imagine a stool of our days. That's more or less a table. People were reclining on the floor with some uh, cushions, and then they had this stool coming to them, which was both the tray, the table, the plate, whatever you want to call it, that's that's the, that's the table. So what do we have on that ke'ara according to Harambam? Maror, 
the maror is the one of the bitter herbs that we mentioned in the last chapter. Ve'yarakaher, another kind of vegetable that's not maror. We're going to see for what. Umasa, umasa ve'haroset, ve'rufosh lecheves apesach. Also on this table, we bring the actual body of the of the of the goat or sheep that was used for pesach. Although Rambam says keves here, it's permissible to use either a keves or a goat. Upsar asar, and also the meat of the korban hagiga that was brought for the fourteenth day. and now one of the distinctions between when we have korbanot and, and nowadays, unfortunately, we don't yet have korbanot. So what we do is instead we bring on this keara we set up two kinds of meat. So if you want to have a keara that's conformant to harambam. You need the masa, maror, another kind of vegetable, the haroset, uh, and then two kinds of meat. By the way, this is not very different than the ke'ara that is set up by most people today. Of course, there is no, according to the there is no specific magical order like some people do today, but this is uh, what what's brought. Let me give you a tidbit, something that the Bisi'adiyah Gaon mentions in his mahzor, mahzor Sidur Bisi'adiyah Gaon, he also explains how to set up the night. And one of the things that he mentions one should bring in the Ke'ara, in the Shulchan, is, believe it or not, orez, rice, in the Ke'ara of Rabbi Sa'adiyagaon, there'd be these things that we just mentioned, and there'd also be rice. Why is that? This is to follow the opinion of, I believe it was Avaye in the Gemara, that uh, used to ask to, to, to have rice brought before him on Pesach, during the night, Rabbi Sadiagon understands it. This was as part of his ke'ara. Why? In order to teach that rice is not hames, this is le'apuke, to get us out from the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri, who considered rice one of the five grains. As we mentioned before, halakha is, rice is not one of the five grains, and therefore to make it clear to everyone that halakha is thus, Abaye would ask for this to be brought as part of the ke'ara, and Rabbi Sadiagon brings it as something that he used to do. So as late as the 10th century of the common era, in the times of Rabbi Sa'adi Gaon, we know that in Sephardi communities, they used to have rice on the Ke'ara. So after I said Kiddush, they brought the Shulchan, then I start and I say, and I wash my hands with Beracha, I start saying Boreferi Ha'adama, Yarak, and then I take the yarak, one of these vegetables, not the maror one, and I, where do I put it inside? Not in vinegar, not in salt water, not in wine, not in any other liquid. I use the haroset for this. And if you recall, the instructions of haroset from last chapter are that I take some paste and some uh, tevalim and some spices and homes, and, and, uh, and I mix it with I think a lot of vinegar. Uh, I want to tell you this custom remained in my family. My uh, grandfather, who passed away exactly a month ago, Shalom, used to make the haroset himself for Pesach, he used to make uh, little balls, they look like meatballs, of paste uh, of, with tevalim. And then during the seder, he'd have a little bowl with homes and he'd mix 
one of those balls, so each person would take one of those balls. That's a very convenient way of sharing the haroset. And each person had their own ball with the vinegar. And then you take this uh, meatball-looking piece of haroset and you smash it, you mix it with the vinegar. And what you end up having is something pretty liquid, pretty uh, not solid, which is something in which you can definitely dip. It's a dip, really. And you can definitely dip your 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 karpas on it. And it will be it is liquid enough for that. And this seems to be what Harambam is referring to here. You take the, not the haroset like we have today, that's very thick and pasty, but something much more liquid, presumably with, with much more vinegar. And that is something that you can use and you should use to do your tibul. So your tibul is not done in standalone vinegar, standalone salt water, but rather in haroset. And you eat enough for it to be an eating, also something that today people stay away from, they eat less than kazait. Hamab says, no, you have to eat kazait. Otherwise, of course, you're not fulfilling the directive of hachamim because if you eat less than kazait, you're not eating anything. The whole point of kazait is that you're eating something. So unlike the first thing, which was the kiddush, where only the first person said it for everyone, here everyone has the kazait together. And Hamab repeats it in case it wasn't clear. Each person and pachot mikazait, not less than like the size of an olive. Ve'acharkach, and afterwards, okrin etashulhan milifne koreha gadale vado. Someone comes and removes this tray from the person who is going to read the hagada. Why do we do that? As we explained in the last chapter, to encourage the children to ask, why is this happening? Why did dad just do the kiddush and he started eating? And as soon as he starts eating, the table is removed from him. Something looks weird, and they'll ask a question and we'll be able to answer with Haggadah. <clears throat> and we prepare, Mozegin means to add water to, the second cup of wine. In other words, before reading the Haggadah, because the Haggadah is read on the second cup, and this is where the child, the son, or the student, or the person himself, or the wife, if, if there's no children, asks the question, why? Are we doing these things tonight? And then the one who reads, the one who reads says, the one who answers says, In other words, the manishtana is not the question. The manishtana is a rephrasing of the question to set up the answer. So let me be clear again. The first thing that happens is the child says, Abba, why are you doing this? Or in any other way. And then the father answers, Blah, blah, blah. And then we answer, In other words, it's sort of like a rhetorical question, Manishtana, that is then answered. And uh, if you pay attention to the Mishnah, this is precisely how it reads. And then we have a separate sentence. In other words, uh, this is not what the child is expected to ask. And what is the formula of manishtana? So number one, as all nights, we do not dip our food in things, sometimes not even once, and tonight we're doing it twice. What are the two things? What are the twice that we are doing? So as we're going to see, we do the, the karpas first, this yarak 
first. It's not called Karpas, it's called Yarak. And, uh, and then we also do uh, the, the Masa. The Masa itself is Metubelet Baharoset. And the Maror a little bit is Metubelet Baharoset. As in all nights, we eat both things that are chames uh, and things that are matzah, or either or, and tonight we are only eating things that are matzah. And all of these questions are pointing out, they are directing us to, to pay attention to some details of halachot of Pesach, that maybe we would ignore them. In other words, the Torah, for example, says, uh, we may not eat the Korban Pesach other than sali, other than roasted. Why is that? Is there a point to that? And I think there is. We are not giving the point to that, but we are at least pointing out in these questions that there are some very specific details that we are commanded to follow, and those details are worth paying attention to, and those details all come up together to form a very special night that is different than all other nights. For in all nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables, but tonight we are specifically looking for bitter herbs. By the way, merorim is throughout the Haggadah, the word that's used. The Torah does not use maror, and that's perhaps because maror is one of the five species of maror, specifically. But the word is merorim in plural to follow what the Torah says, al masot umrorim yocheluhu. And as you'll recall in the last chapter, when we, when Rambam rephrased or restated Rabban Gamliel's opinion, it wasn't like we have in our agada Pesach Masa Umaror, but rather Pesach Masa Umrorim, Merorim in plural. <coughs> And number five, as on all nights, we eat whether sitting down or reclining, and yet tonight we all are reclining. An amendment to Alachabet, on these days when we are not having Korban Pesach, we don't say. Uh, and we end up having four, not five, questions. We start with the sad parts, the negative parts of the story of the Haggadah. And then we continue reading the Genut until we get to and we explain all the Derashot on this Parashah of Arami Oved Avi, just like we have in our Haggadot of today. And then we bring back the table, the tray, to the person who is reading the Haggadah, to the Magid. And then the person that's reading the Haggadah says, This Pesach, so we bring it back in order to do the second kind of Haggadah which we described in the last chapter, the Haggadah of Rabban Gamliel, which is a Haggadah not necessarily based on Arami Oved Avi, but rather based on the three main elements, visual elements that we have in front of us, Pesach, Masa, Umrorim. So that's why it makes sense to bring it back to the person so he can point to them and say, 
ואומר פסח זה, this קולבן פסח that we are eating right now, על שם שפסח המקום ברוך הוא על בתי אבותינו במצרים, this is on account of the fact that God protected the households of our forefathers in מצרים, שנאמר, אז תיסד ואמרתם, and you shall say, זבח פסח הוא לאדוני. This is a slaughtering of קורבן פסח to God. So, שנאמר comes to prove that we have to actually say this. ומגביה המרור בידו, and then he takes a piece of maror and lifts it with his hand ואומר, מרור זה שאנו אוכלים על שם שמלרו המסרים את חיי אבותינו במצרים, שנאמר, I'm sorry, I was mistaken, הרמב״ם is using the word maror here, unlike in פירוש המשניות, which I had consulted before, which says מרורים, מרור זה, this maror that we are eating, על שם שמדדו המסרים את חיי אבותינו במצרים, this is on account of the fact that the מסרים embittered our, the, the life of our forefathers in מצרים, שנאמר, אז היא תיסד וימדדו את חייהם, and they embittered their lives. הוא מרביע המסע בידו ואומר, and then he, uh, he should lift the מסע with his hand and say, מסע זו שאנו אוכלים, this מסע that we are eating tonight, על שם שלא הספיק בסכם של אבותינו להחמיס, it's on account of the fact that The, the, the dough of our forefathers had no time to rise to leaven Lehmis really become, means to become sour like hummus until God blessed uh, or Kadosh Baruch Hu distinguished is he HaKadosh Baruch Hu immediately redeemed them This was not a process that took many days this was The transition from Avdut Leherut was so sudden, so instantaneous, that it's represented by the Masa. And the Pasuk we bring for that is a Pasuk describing that when Am Yisrael left Misraim, they baked the dough that they had taken from Misraim, Masot and not Hames, because they had been uh, gotten. out of Mitzrayim, they had been expelled from Mitzrayim and they couldn't delay and also they didn't have time to prepare, to properly prepare food for their journey. Now think about the story of Mitzrayim and think about all the things that could have been different. There was something very deliberate in, of course, in, by design, by Borei Olam's design, in everything that happened, the Ten Makot, Parol refusing, the way Makat Bechorot happened, being at night, the way Moshe had been prodding Parol all the time and, and and teasing him and challenging him, all of that built up to a result which was that Am Yisrael had to leave right away, instantaneously, immediately, they did not have time for anything. Now imagine if things had been different. Imagine if the first time Moshe comes to Pao and says, uh, and then he says, let my people go, and Pao says, oh, okay, you know what, Let, let's do it. Let's uh, draft a plan, let's draft an agreement, Let's uh, do this over three or four years. I, I can't have my workforce decrease from one day to the next. And then it would have been a much slower process. Everything built up for it to become an instantaneous process. And this was important. It was important for many reasons, not least of them for our own purposes. Psychologically, this had a different kind of impact than something that could have been a much more gradual process. And it's so important that we remember it with the Masa. That's, that's the point of Masa. 
Uh, one more thing that is done to remember that is the Hippazon. When we eat Korban Pesach, Be'azat Hashem, we, we, we should make sure, we should remember, of course, we'll re review this, this halachot before then, that we cannot eat, we have to eat it in a, in a way that's not, we are not getting too comfortable. In other words, we have to eat it as though we are, we should be standing by that if someone tells us you have to leave right now, we can leave that then. Um, okay. So what do we say today that uh, that we don't have Mas uh, Korban Pesach? We say Pesach Instead of saying Pesach Zeh, which we cannot do, we just say the Pesach that our forefathers used to eat. Bizman Shabet Hamikdash Kayam, when the Bet Hamikdash was standing, Al Shem Shepasach Hakadosh Baruch Hu Bati Avotenu, and then we say the same formula that people during Korban Pesach would say. And then one should say, because of all this, or following all this, we feel obliged to acknowledge, to praise, to glorify, I'm running out of synonyms here, to whom to the one who has done to us and to our forefathers, right? So Lanu is to signify that we feel as though this happened to us. All of these signs, and he took us out from slavery to redemption. And we should say before him, hallelujah. The formula we have in our Haggadot today is a little longer. And so on and so forth. I'm not sure that it's a problem to, to say more, but know that Harambam's formula was a little shorter. We should say before him, Hallelujah. Hallelujah means an expression of praising that not only do we praise Hashem, but we ask everyone around us to join us in praise. And we say the the most pristine form of that, which is uh, the Halel Hagadol in in uh, in Tehillim, which is Mizmor Kufiyot Gimal Kufiyot Dalet. Those are uh, Mizmorim that signify uh, the most the highest form of Halel that we have in Tehillim. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Adonai, etc., etc. Until Halamish Lemayenomaim, and this is how we also start the Halel every time we have the Halel. And these two Mizmorim. We never skip because these are the main, main, main mizmorim of Hallel in all of the Hillim. Pehotem, and after we say Hallelujah, which is sort of like a parenthesis, part of our praising Hashem, then we finish the Beracha, which we started with Lefichach. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Blessing you are Hashem, our Lord, the Eternal King. Asher Ge'alanu, the one who has redeemed us. Ve'ra'al etavotenu mimisraim. He's redeemed our forefathers from Egypt. And he has allowed us to reach this night in which, on which we ate In these days, which when we don't have Bet HaMikdash, we should also add So too, God, our Lord and the Lord of our forefathers, may he make us reach, may he permit us to reach other occasions, and other festivities that should come upon us in peace. 
happy in the building of your city, Yerushalayim, v'sasim ba'avodatach, rejoicing through your worship, through your service, v'nochal shamin azabachim v'pesachim, and let us eat there from the, 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 the korbanot and the pesach, Zevachim is something that uh, you do in Petamigdash, Pesach is something that you do uh, at home. Whose blood has reached the walls of your Mizbeach uh, in, in a satisfactory manner. As an aside, if you look at Targum Ankelos, every time, and we're going to read it next week, or the Ratzon that we have here. Uh, according to the Rukum Kelos, it's not God's ratzon, it's not to the satisfaction of God, but it's for our, the one who's bringing the Korban's satisfaction. Just a side point. And <clears throat> we'll acknowledge you through a new song on account of our then redemption in Bet HaMikdash, and the, the, the saving of our soul. There is something that's going to be very grand about when we have the again and that is that our souls are going to find new levels of of uh, of satisfaction there are aspects of our soul of our psyche that are deeply unsatisfied deeply anxious uh, carl jung spoke extensively about this uh, because of the lack of the kinds of services that ancient men would have and most definitely the most perfect form of those services is the one that God prescribed to us through the Korbanot. And we are going to see that our soul is going to once again be very fulfilled. Al-Pedut Nafshenu. Baruch Hashem, blessing you are God, Ga'al Israel, the one who redeems, the Redeemer of Israel. And you say Hagefen one more time. Arambam said it very explicitly in the last chapter. You say Hagefen four times. And then one drinks the second cup. Now, just an argument for saying Hagefen again. Think about this. We are saying that we, as we're going to see, that we do Netilat Yadayim twice, a second time before Massah, although we have done Netilat Yadayim for the, the Yarak, because the Magid, because the Haggadah is enough of a hefsek that it distracts us, we have a Seah Hadat, and therefore we become obligated once again to do Netilat Yadayim. Now, Netilat Yadayim is not something, according to Harambam, that you may not speak between Netilat Yadayim and the bread. Yet, the Magid was distracting enough to require a new form of Netilat Yadayim. I want to remind us, Netilat Yadayim, if one had their mind preoccupied in making sure that they remember to take, keep their hands from Tum'ah, one Netilat Yadayim in the morning is enough for the entire day. And yet here it's not. So how much more so? That hagefen that I said before for kiddush, interrupted by kiddush, interrupted by the magid, interrupted by taking the shulchan out, bringing it back, the questions, the halel now, how much more so that there should be a new beracha of hagefen uh, here as well? So that that's just a very simple argument. If anyone wants to do like harambam and has any doubts of safek berachot, nasafek berachot, I think that if one is honest, intellectually honest, there isn't much of a safek here. And then a person says the washes his hands again. Why? Because by reading the Haggadah, there was a there was a distraction of the mind, and a person wasn't uh, 
supervising his hands, which means that presumably he could have come to contact with something. I mean, not, not that he did, but that he stopped caring for preventing it. Then he must take two pieces of masa, rakikin. He divides one of them. Then he takes the whole one and puts the small one on top or inside the whole one. Why do we do that? We'll see in a second. Why do we not take two full loaves like we do in other Yamim Tovim? Because Masa is called Lechem Oni and we want to behave as poor people do. Just like a poor person only takes a part of a bread, they never eat the whole bread, they just have a portion of it and save the rest for a rainy day. So to here we do it with a split, a divided. A, a, an incomplete bread. And thereafter, you should take in any piece of masa, uh, masa and maror, and do tibul baharoset. This is the tibul the second time. You should say the uh, blessing you are Hashem, our Lord, the eternal King, the one who was was distinguished us through his precepts prescribed to us on, a, on the eating of masa and melorim. This here is consistent with what I said before. The, <coughs> the word is melorim, not maror. Ve'ochlan, and then he eats them. Ve'imachal masa b'fnei asma ha'omaror b'fnei asmo. And if he, instead of doing this together, he takes the masa separately and the maror separately, mevarechal zeh b'fnei asmo, should say for one separate and then for the other separate. And afterwards, he says, Blessing, uh, you are Hashem, our Lord, the eternal King, the one who prescribed us, who, who, who sanctified us, distinguished us through his precepts, and prescribed to us on account of the eating of this uh, slaughtering of this zevah. And then he eats first from the Korban Hagiga that was brought on the 14th. Blessing you are Hashem, our Lord, uh, the eternal King, the one who has distinguished us through his precepts and prescribed to us on account of the eating of the Pesach. And then he eats from the body of the Pesach. And one beracha is not good for the other. The Hagiga needs its own beracha and the Pesach its own beracha. Mishnah Meforeshet in Masech Pesachim, by the way. Halachachet. Pazeman azeh she'en sham korban. On these days that unfortunately we have no korban. Achash evarecha mosi lechem. Hozer umarecha lachilat masa. After having... The, the and then one should eat the masa in the haros with the haroset and eat. And then he says a separate beracha from maror. Why is that? Because we are not doing masa umrorim together because we also don't have the pesach. So you know the whole thing is different. The separate misvah of the night is masa. Masa survives the the um, the suspension of Korban Pesach, 
Maror, however, doesn't. Maror is the Rabbanan. So we definitely want to separate these two misvot. One is the Oraita, needs its own beracha. One is the Rabbanan, needs its own beracha. Therefore, unlike what we used to do in the times of Bet HaMikdash, when we ate the Masa and the Maror together, right now we do not. We have each of them separate. But the Tibul that used to be done for the combination of Masa and Maror should still be done for each of them when they are done separately. So according to Harambam, it's as important to submerge the Masa in the Haroset as it is to submerge the Maror in the Haroset. And the question that we said before, uh, the second time is only really accurate when we are talking in a situation of having Korban Pesach. All of these questions were very early questions from a time in which we did have Korban Pesach, as evident by the actual question of Sali and Shalukum Bushal. However, nowadays, I think the, the appropriate question should really be, because we have the, the Masa and the Maror as two separate precepts, one the Oraita, one the Rabbanan, each of which needs to be in Haroset as the Tibul. Back then, it used to be done all as one single act, but today we separate it, and whoever wants to follow Harambam for the Seder should, and I'm not aware of anyone, any any opinion in, in Rishonim or Haranim that says one shouldn't, uh, duty bull of the Massa as well in the Haroset. With the Maror, with the Maror, one should only dip it but not leave it inside the Haroset because that, if you leave it inside the Haroset, it might affect the taste of the Maror. In this Maror, this is a Misva Midrabanan, unlike the Massa. And then after I've done each of these precepts of Masa and Maror, we do one more thing, which is just Zecher. This is just a, as a reminder of. And we do this Korech, this, uh, this uh, wrap of Masa with Maror inside. And then we dip this wrap in Haroset. And why do we do this? Zecher Lamikdash, because this is the way this used to be done in the Mikdash. I explained exactly why we don't do it anymore like that, because we have to separate, distinguish between these two misvot, one nowadays being the Rabbanan, and the other nowadays being the Oraita. Afterwards, one continues eating and eat and drink however much he wants. And then afterwards, and this is not the one we did for the Beracha, but at the end of this meal, one should eat at least a kazait of Korban Pesach, and it should be the last thing that's eaten that night. And today, that we don't have Korban Pesach, we do the same thing with Masa, we eat a kazait of Masa at the end of the meal, and eat nothing else at, uh, after that. So that there is a distinction, a separation, between the meal that he ate for his own sake and then the taste of the Basar Pesach or the Masa in his mouth should be the last thing that, 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 that leaves taste in his mouth because that's the Misva of the night. And afterwards he does Netilat Yadayim, the third time we're washing our hands, this time without Berachah because it's Maim Haronim. 
הוא מברך ברכת המזון על כוס של אישי, ושהוא צריך ברכת המזון on the cup, on the third cup of wine, just a refresher, a cup of wine needs to be, needs to contain רביעית, it needs to contain at least one quarter, 25% of pure wine, the rest can be water, it cannot be pure wine 100%, and one must drink of it at least the majority, that's for each of the four cups. ושותהו, then he drinks the, the third cup, ואחר כך מוזג כוס רביעי, afterwards he prepares the fourth cup, וגומר עליו את ההלל, he says on it, הלל גמור, ואומר עליו ברכת השיר, and he says at the end, the ברכה on songs, the ברכה on the songs, on which, which is it, והיא, יהללוך אדוני אלוהינו כל מעשיך, may, may God our Lord, may all of your creatures praise you, וחסידיך, we know it is the ברכה that we say at the end of the הלל, ואין התואם אחר כך כלום כל הלילה, and afterwards one may not taste anything or eat anything all night long, חוץ מן המים, other than water, it is permissible to have water afterwards, ויש לו למזוג כוס חמישי, and it's permissible, one may pour a fifth cup of wine, ולומר עליו הלל גדול, and say on it, the מזמורים מבטיחים בתור כל הלל גדול, the large הלל, which are, from the beginning of Kuflamedv until the end of Kuflamedzain, מהודו לאדוני כי טוב עד על נהרות בבל, וכוס זה אינו חובה כמו ארבעה כוסות, and this cup of wine is not an obligation like the first four. Now, something about this fifth cup of wine, first of all, in מסכת פסחים, it is a מחלוקת, and רבי טרפון says that one must have this fifth cup of wine, not that one could, but one must, this is in Pesachim, Daf Kof Yot Het, Amud Aleph. However, the Girsa that we have today was corrupted following the Pirush of Rashbam. Rashbam, who is the commentary on Pesachim in the absence of Rashi, says Achigar Sinan, he says this is the way we have to read it, and he erases, he deletes the part that says Rebit Arfon Omer, that one must have the Kos Hamishit, and you know, he's entitled to have his pirush, what's not appropriate and what has happened throughout our Gemara, which is why it's so important to use manuscripts whenever available, and now, nowadays everything is so easily, so readily available, Baruch Hashem, online, there's websites dedicated to this. But the Girsa, someone came later, looked at the Gemara, look at what it says, look at what Rashbam says, that says that one should read it without, without these words, and said, you know what, let me just, next time I copy the Gemara, conform it to the, to, the, to the commentary of the Rashbam. And then these words were deleted. And if you open any Gemara Vilna in Masechet Pesachim, Dafkof Yodhet Amud Aleph, you will not find this opinion of Rabbi Tarfon. It's as if Rabbi Tarfon, Misken, was deleted out from the Gemara. Uh, really, I think it's, it's a terrible crime to do this. Not the Rashbam, Rashbam is entitled to his opinion, but the, the Sofrim that afterwards took the Rashbam and, and adapted it to the Gemara, and then you have the Rashbam saying, the way the Gemara reads is not the, pro the proper way, this is the proper way, but then you look at it and it's exactly the same, because someone already went through it and conformed it. But it used to be, Revi'i gomer alav et ha'alel, and then, v'chamishi omer alav alel ha'gadol dilir bitarfon. This is what used to say in the Gemara, it still says, but someone deleted it, and, and it's a machloket. So now, a small hidush from, I believe it's from Hacham Fa'ur, on what is, uh, 
the reason that we call it Koshel Eliyahu, why do we call it the cup of Eliyahu Hanavi, the fifth cup? And this is because it's a mahloket. It used to be a mahloket between Rabbi Tarfon and, uh, and, and Hachamim and, and the stem of the Baraita. And, uh, and uh, which means that um, one way of saying that this mahloket is unresolved and people are still free to opt one way or the other is what the Gemara says, teko. The Gemara many times says, let it stand. Let this mahloket stand. We are declining to resolve it one way or the other. And the, the popular understanding of the word teko is let it stand until Eliyahu Hanavi comes. So koshel Eliyahu, which is the fifth cup, which is the one that you may or may not do according to your choice, is the cup that we are we are not defining whether it's obligatory or not, which is another way to say it's not obligatory, until Eliyahu Hanavi comes. So that's Koshel Eliyahu. It's the, the cup, the resolution over which is going to come at the time of Eliyahu Hanavi, when we once again have the authority to decide this mahlokot that were not decided by the Gemara. Um, and a person may do this part of the Halel of the Haggadah anywhere they want, even if it wasn't the part, uh, the place of the house where the Sauda was had. The Mishnah tells very beautifully that after people ate Korban Pesach in Yerushalayim, they'd go out to the balconies and to the roofs of Yerushalayim uh, all together around the same time because they used to eat Korban Pesach before Hasot. And around Hasot time, everyone you'd see, you'd go out in a beautiful night of spring in Yerushalayim, overlooking Bet uh, or seeing Bet HaMikdash up high, and uh, everyone together, all of Am Israel, uh, women, children, uh, parents, grandparents, we go out from our house and rejoin the larger household of Israel, all together and on the rooftops, on the balconies, and all together would sing the Hallel. And this would have been, I think, one of the most amazing experiences of Aliyah Regel participating of this uh, Hallel, this communal Hallel of all of Am Israel together. Can you imagine that outside Jerusalem? So from this point of the Mishnah, we learn the Hallel does not necessarily need to be said in the place where the Sauda was had. Halachayot Aleph. Makom shenahagu lechol sari belele pesachim ochlin. Makom shenahagu shelo lechol en ochlin. Now, after we no longer have Kurban Pesach, is it permissible to have roasted meat the night of Pesach? So this is according to Minhag, Minhagam Makom. And if the Minhagam Makom is to eat it, you may eat it. If it's not to eat it, you may not eat it. Uh, and, uh, and, this is, and this is the reason not to eat it will be so people don't say, oh, this is Kurban Pesach. Uphol Makom. But anywhere, is forbidden to eat a goat or a sheep that was roasted all at once and serve it all at once, like a fully uh, roasted goat or, or sheep. Because this does look too much like eating korbanot outside the betamin, that's which is forbidden. However, if it wasn't whole, if it was missing a piece or, or cut into pieces or, or uh, one piece of it was not roasted but was boiled, then this is permissible in a place where roasted meat is permissible generally on that night. 
the Mishnah continues saying, "Ha'olech mi'makom sh'ochlim mi'makom sh'enochlim, mi'makom sh'ochlim mi'makom sh'ochlim, mi'makom sh'enochlim mi'makom sh'ochlim." When a person goes from one place that has a set, a set accepted minhag to do something, and this is a minhag approved by a beddin, to a place that has a set minhag also approved by a beddin to not do something, or vice versa, one must take the humre makom. One should always be mahmir according to both minhagim, the one from which he comes and the one to which he is going. If someone doesn't have wine on Lel Pesach, he should do Kiddush on bread or on Masa, obviously, like on Shabbat. Um, and then he should do everything else in the order we described. If someone only has one kind of, of yarak and that is maror, then the first time, the first part of the seder, when people do what's called today karpas, he should take the maror and say, like he would normally say, but he should also then say the berachah of the maror, Baruch Hashem, Lokel Menchalam, Asher Kiddashem Vatavasivanu, Ala Chilat Maror, Veochel, and then he should eat it, he should go make Haggadah, and afterwards, when he finishes the Haggadah, when it's the time to eat the maror, and then he should say of the masa and eat it, and then he should uh, eat the maror, but without beracha. Why without beracha? Beracha number one, maror. He already said he's no longer obligated. He fulfills his obligation, and boreferi hadama. You would expect it, but things that are eaten with bread, one is you say the chova on the beracha with bread. Ah, but maror is not eaten with bread. Really? Is it not eaten with bread? Yes, it is eaten with bread. The right way, the proper way, original way of eating the maror was to eat it davka with the masa, which makes it very clear that the maror is something for which you should not have a discrete beracha if you already said amosi on the masa. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this doesn't mean that there wasn't a sec. There clearly was a sec through the magid, but even though there was a sec, even if you hadn't said Hadama the first time around, you would not say Hadama right now because you are Yosef because of the Hamosi. If someone doesn't have Masame Shumeret, and we explained Masame Shumeret in the last chapter, uh, sorry, two chapters ago, Masame Shumeret, uh, my reading of Harambam and one of the other teachers of this uh, course, Joy Faur, uh, discussed this with me, and we this this was his read as well. Is that masa meshumeret, according to Harambam, is a masa that is made with uh, with with the purpose of serving human consumption, specifically human consumption. In other words, an example of masa she'ena meshumeret is aisata kelavim, is the kind of dough that was prepared for feeding animals. That is masa she'ena meshumeret. But masa meshumeret, the one for which uh, it's a, it's a matzah that's really lishma. It's a masa made for the sake of masa, not for any other sake, and it's a masa not for korban toda, for example. That's also not masa meshumeret, and it's a masa that. Uh, and what does it mean for its sake? That is made for human consumption, for human eating, everywhere. Uh, uh, that uh, in and not only within the homot as we explained in that chapter. I'm not going to go into it right now. Uh, another reading of Masame Shumeret, and this is the Bioshua Hanagid, is that 
Harambam indeed required to have what's called today Masa Shemura, which is a Masa that was supervised from the moment that you cut the grain, not only from the moment that you that you made the flower, that you that that you joined the masot, um, and uh, <coughs> and uh, according to the Gra, this would be a requirement from Harambam for the rest of Pesach as well, not only for the first night. Uh, we explained all of this in in chapter five. Everyone who is interested should listen to it once again. So if you only have kazait of this kind of masa, what do you do? As he finishes his sauda from masa that's not meshumeret, for example, a masa of bikurim, being a kohen, in other words, the, what we call afikoman should be from that masa. The most important time at which you eat masa is at the end. That's when you should have the kazait. Someone who fell asleep in the Sauda and then woke up, he should not, because he fell asleep, go back and eat. Um, so th- th- this is a point of not eating after finishing the meal. If once you eat, once once you finish the meal of that night, and it, this is a meal of Korban Pesach, whether you had Korban Pesach or in our days Masa at the very end of that meal or not. You shouldn't eat at all, anything else. So what does it mean to finish a sauda? So what happens if you fell asleep in the middle of a sauda? If you fell asleep and you wake up, you're not entitled, you're not allowed to continue eating afterwards. Uh, if you're part of a group and some people of that group fell asleep, but you didn't, those who didn't fall asleep are allowed to continue eating. Uh, perhaps, perhaps also the ones who fell asleep and wake up are also co- allowed to continue eating because they are part of the group, not clear here. If all of them fell asleep and they woke up, they may not continue eating. However, if they didn't fall asleep, but they sort of like dozed off, uh, they dozed off and uh, Ramam defines it somewhere else. It's it's uh, it's as if it's someone who is not asleep nor awake. And if someone calls their name, uh, they right away respond. That is uh, what Ramam says in Perusha Mishnayot, Matzakat Pesachim Dafiyod. This is from the, Pirush of, the wonderful Pirush of Makbili, who always very succinctly points to the most relevant sources. Um, so if that's the kind of sleeping, then after waking up from such a slumber, one may continue eating on that night. And with this, we finish the last chapter of, of Ilchot Hames Umasa. And may next time we study this, Ba'azat Hashem, we also study it together with Ilchot Korban Pesach, Bimhera Amenu Amen.